Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Gabby here and welcome to Reasons to be Joyful. The nights are drawing in, aren't they? And at this time of year, I need a little pick-me-up to help me through the cold, dark days. Well, luckily, today, I'm joined by the actor and all-round joy-giver, Greg Wise. He certainly lightens those days. We hope you enjoy listening to it as much as we enjoyed recording it. Yeah, 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 yeah! <laughs> Nymphomaniacal Alice. There you go, that's the first line, two words. That's OK, this is the best way to start the podcast, go. No, I can't. Why is it it's too rude? It's fantastically rude. Okay, do the do the other one then. There was a young man from Leeds who swallowed a packet of seeds. In less than an hour, his bum was in flower and his willy was covered with weeds. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Greg Wise. Good morning. You get so. What time do you say you get up every day? Uh, half four, five o'clock normally. And then, what's the first thing you do? Have a cup of coffee. A Straight proper coffee. away. Yeah, 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 yeah. And back in the day, a what fag you- as well. Oh, I see. I didn't know what you were going to say back in the day. I don't know what you were going to say mm, then. No, But no. no more smoking anymore. <clears throat> no, no, no. I'm a good boy. I cycle everywhere. And I said, well, you did. You turned around. up with your cycling helmet yeah. and you're, you're not quite like Chris. No, no, no. I'm not a mammal. Oh, thank you. I'm not a mammal. No, no. It's just no, something no. strange about Regent's Park and they're all, yeah. you see everybody's oh, everything. I know. It's fantastic, isn't it? Everybody's everything. Yeah. Um, Greg, there's so many things that I want to talk to you about and so many things that we probably can't on this podcast. Um, But but, um, it's very interesting. When I mentioned that you were coming on the podcast, Mm -hmm. people went straight to different things. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go with the three things that people went straight to. Mm -hmm. And you might be surprised. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's not Mr. Greg, Mrs. Greg I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Okay, they Mm -hmm. didn't go to Mrs. Greg. Mm -hmm. They went straight to the crown. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah. It was extraordinary. I mean, that that whole show mm-hmm. is extraordinarily... Um, it's much bigger than anybody ever imagined it being, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. I mean, oddly, because I did the first... Yeah, you were in the first one. Incarnation. Still my favourite. And we, and we kicked this off not having any idea, A if we were just going to get a kicking and no one was going to watch it, because it's a very particular story you're trying to tell, a very precious national yeah. story. But what was gorgeous about it was after all these years of, of work, I mean, I've been uh, 32 years, I think, working now. When I started doing BBC dramas, doing the posh stuff, there used to be time, there used to be money. 
we used to be able to make extraordinary pieces of work and then the time and the money got less and less and less. But to step onto this Netflix show where they actually had a bit of cash and they spent the cash on screen, yeah. that was remarkable. That was wonderful. Being able to take over Ely Cathedral for a week and do various weddings and funerals and things like that. I think we were very fortunate in the first couple of seasons because we're far enough away from today I to make it yes. actually a drama and a story that people don't know about. I think um, our next-door neighbour but one, Imelda Staunton, has just finished being Queenie, just filmed the very last. Oh, she's, that's it, done, yeah. right. Um, now, that's in, that's in the years 2000s already. Very recent memories, and, and the, we're very, very beloved. Then. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's a wholly different thing than what we made, because we were still making a historical drama, yes, in a way. Um, and I suppose we had more leeway a little bit, uh, uh, but it was an extraordinary thing to do. Did and it change things for you? Did it change the way people see? Because other people who've been in the Crown that I've interviewed all say they can't believe how it changed the way they were perceived in in the, the sort of the wider world mm. for that what's acting. interesting i'd never been in anything that is on everywhere all of the time really because normally <clears throat> you do a bit of telly and it's on a sunday night at seven o'clock oh, i see yes and on a monday morning people nod at you in the street or or you know oh my goodness me i just saw you on the telly this is on everywhere across the world all the time so it is very interesting we shot Seven years ago, I think the first, the first season. Is it really that long? Or even eight, eight years ago, in the first season. Um, and yet, I'm still got, I've still got people coming up. Oh, I just watched you last night. Yes. Uh, what, what on? Uh, the, the Crown. Uh, so something like that is very interesting. You know, fame, walking down the street, having people stop that, you. That's so interesting because I was talking to um, a lovely, lovely actor um, uh, who played Ron in Parks and Recreation, mm -hmm. and Nick Offerman. And he, I said to him, do you know when people are coming towards you, whether they're coming towards you as Ron mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. or as uh, one of his other shows? And the same to you. Do you know now then? Can you tell that somebody's looking at you and thinking, ah, oh, The Crown or... You know. No. Oh, you can't? No, no, because, again, a, a lot of stuff I've done over the years has found itself on various streamers, so so stuff is still around all the time. Um, but it is really... What's really interesting of the difference between telly and film, I've had arguments with people on the tube that I have been at a dinner party in their mate's house when they were there. Sorry? I said I wasn't there. No, 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 no. I know, I know. Oh, you I see what you mean. No, no, no. Yes, yes, yes. They, they feel it they was, know you. It was, actually, it was Bill Nye in one of the first, actually the first telly I did a million years ago. And he said, you've got to remember that we appear in people's front rooms and a close-up on a telly is the size of a head. <laughs> so they're looking at your head, looking across at the mantelpiece, looking at your head, and somewhere in their subconscious afterwards, they think he's been in my front room. So I, it's, it's, it's and, and of course, going to the cinema is something completely different because you leave your house, you go to a big dark space yes. and, and your head is 40 foot wide. So you're not as, as real, you're not in there. I have to say, the reason 
I was smiling so much because I did when I was 18, I walked down the street and I saw this man and I said, oh, hello, yeah. mum and dad, yeah, yeah, yeah. Clive and Jackie mm-hmm. send their love. Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. said, oh, yeah. thank you. Sorry, Clive and Jackie. I went, yeah, mum and dad, you mm-hmm. were there last week. And he mm-hmm. went, oh, good, lovely. Can you just tell them that Michael Caine said hello? And then oh, I went, oh, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it was exactly no, but bless that. Him. But that's it. That's it. That's it. And, and, and often, 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 often I get that. Absolutely. M. Oh God, we had this wonderful moment in a restaurant. Are you talking about Mr. Gr- Mrs. Greg? Mrs. Greg. Mrs. Greg. Dame, Dame, Mrs. Greg. We were in a restaurant a million years ago, and uh, uh, an American woman at a, at a table nearby just sort of glanced over at M, smiled, and nodded. Now we get that a lot. Da, da, da. As we were leaving the restaurant, she said, "Barney's, isn't it? <laughs> what? Yeah, you sold me my bra in Barney's." Oh no. Yes, I was in the yeah, lingerie yeah. department yeah, of yeah. Barney's yeah, yeah. in New York. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Hello, gets, I'm Emma. Um, Natasha. Richardson? Yeah. Uh, no, sh- she's dead. They no, think she's you Natasha are. Richardson? Yeah. Oh, she's, she's been everyone. Everyone. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. People get a little bit overexcited and their brains go a bit How strange. How funny. So, okay, you've gone to to Mrs. Greg. We're not going to Mrs. Greg yet. No, no, no. Because I love the story about how you two started dating. And I've heard, I've now heard her side, Mm -hmm. Kate's side, Mm -hmm. and I haven't heard your side. Mm -hmm. So we'll come back to Mm -hmm. that. Okay. Um, But the other thing that people said, which I, I was quite surprised, is they went, Strictly! Yeah. Did you imagine that? That would be the thing that people shouted out but again, with all the acting. Talking yeah. about being able to walk down the street, I, I foolishly didn't do my due diligence and had never watched Strictly before. But is that really it. true? Yeah. You never had? No. I, I haven't watched telly for 40 years probably. But, um, but Did you never watch yourself in The Crown? No. You're nodding no. I'm, sh- really? I'm You're shaking, shaking your no. head. No, not nodding yes. Yeah. You're shaking your head yeah. no. 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 Okay, okay, I, um, I believe you. And I, I didn't quite realise quite what an institution Strictly is. And I'd have one day off a week on a Sunday and be desperate just to get a bit of fresh air and go for a walk up Hampstead Heath or something. I couldn't really do it because everyone <laughs> was jumping out at me, talking about it. And I finally realised it, it is. I mean, I think at its peak it gets 10, 11, 12 million yeah, people. Yeah, it's massive. Something like that. And you had the loveliest dancer but, to dance with uh, as well. Beautiful Karen. What's what's fascinating about it is probably only a week, two weeks after I got kicked off, I could walk anywhere I wanted. No. Yeah. And that's that's fascinating. That's I, I remember cool. a million years ago when uh, when Em and I were outed by the press and my dad said, don't worry, today's headlines are tomorrow's fishing. When you were breakfast. outed? Yeah. We when, were... when it came out that you two were together? <clears throat> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and he said, "Don't worry, today's headlines are tomorrow's fish and chip wrappers," and and it's right. People are that you know. Suddenly, you're the centre of all things, That's and literally the next day, it's gone. There's so many bits I want to pick a, pick apart. I yeah. think I want to go back to you not watching television for forty years. There's yeah. somebody who's obsessed with television, but really nothing. You watch films. W- watch films. Um, I stopped watching telly probably when I left home. So 80, Do you have a TV 85. at home? We have it. We would. We, Does Mrs. Greg watch? We telly? were just given a new TV by a producer person that Em's probably going to be working with because she'd sat in some meeting going, "Oh no, we can't. We can't find 
we can't find Netflix and Amazon and this and that on our telly. It's, I don't know. Uh, anyway, this gorgeous man, Ash, um, while we were away at the cottage, arranged for a telly to be delivered to ours so we can... Have you turned it on yet? We've turned it on and, and watched a bit of the Netflix. Uh, what, what did you go to? What did you watch? You're blushing. We watched. We've, yes, he's we blushing. Watched, we watched. We watched Saoirse Ronan, lovely Saoirse, in Hannah. Okay. A thriller, Joe Wright directed. Okay. Um, which is great. But uh, I, I watched a lot of telly as a as an adolescent. Left home, and then that was it. And really, since '85, I don't think I've turned the telly on. That's incredible. Did your, did your parents? What did they watch TV when you were at home, though? We didn't really. We didn't no? really. No. No, no. And in fact, now, I mean, it's, it's very interesting working, working in a discipline and not watching. So I, I will go for meetings with various directors and stuff and the agents say, oh, you know, they've just done there. And you go, what's that? And they go, oh, God. <laughs> it's, it's in season three now. You better watch at least a couple of them. So you can oh, have all a the with things that I... You've yeah, got... yeah, 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 yeah. Succession, people, people, Ted Lasso, people, all those things. People, people actually get... Not that you're becoming aggressive, but people get quite, <laughs> quite aggressive uh, uh, about it. How, how can you not have watched da 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 da? Yeah. Now the problem is there's so much stuff to watch. It's like it's like when you go to a bookshop and, and, and you can lose your mind because you think I will never read all of these books. So should I just stop reading completely? Oh no, never stop or, reading. Or cherry pick the things. So do you, you read, read books? I read. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What book yeah. Are you reading at the moment? Uh, I'm reading the uh, the hidden. The Hidden Life of Trees or something. It's it's about insects that live on trees. Oh, how lovely. I'm, I'm a bit a bit fixated by trees. No, so is my husband. Yeah. You get yeah, on very well. Yeah, He's I got mean, so many books on trees. Yeah, and I do a lot of tree planting. and uh, So I'm fascinated by the 360 different things that will live on an oak tree, that more things live on a dead tree than on a living tree. Yes, Isn't that all these I love wonderful all of, I love all of that. You were just talking about Hampstead Heath here in mm. London and there are so mm. many in the UK. We've got so many amazing places that we can... I walk everywhere, like mm. you cycle everywhere. I walk mm. everywhere. But just taking in the tree. I love trees too. I completely get that, completely get that. Um, uh, actually, maybe now's a good time before we go to that story. Um, can we just talk about the work that you do with the Good Grief Trust? Because yeah. I know that's something that you, I mean, you do a lot of charity work and you and uh, Mrs. Greg do as well and you're very passionate believers. You're passionate about the environment. You're passionate about people and you care. Mm. I'm going, you know, without making you blush, you do truly care and you put yourself out there. Um, but I know you've been working with the Good Grief Trust and it's important to talk about yeah. Grief and loss. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. I was, I was privileged to be able to be my sister's full-time carer for the last few months of her life. Back in 2016, and I say privileged because I'm self-employed, because I had a very understandable family, because I could drop everything and just move in with her, and I lived with her for about three months as she was dying of bone cancer, which is not a nice one to have. And she had, when she'd started her chemotherapy for her breast cancer, started a little blog just to let her mates know what was going on. And when she became too ill to continue it and I moved in as her carer, I took it over as a sort of protection because I was having to field phone calls and texts and emails mm. from everyone going, what's going on, what's going on? So this was just a bit of protection from me. This is what's happening. Dada, here we are. 
And I was having to spend every waking hour in the flat with my sister. She didn't want to see anybody else. Um, so I was going slightly bonkers with that. Uh, and oddly, the writing at the end of the day, the real-time writing of the blog and sending it out into the ether, was a fantastically healthy and nurturing part of the, of the day for me. But I was always holding back exactly where my sister was in her illness, in her journey. You were holding back to you or no, to her? No, to, to them, to the people. Oh, to the people I you was, were contacting As on a the sort blog. of protection. Then I thought, right. no, this is mad. Why am I trying to protect anyone? So the style changed. This is where we are. This is what's happening. And then it became because it's about spending time purely on one's own she because she was in such pain she was so heavily medicated with the oxynorms oxycontins that she was probably asleep for 22 hours a day and yet I had to be on call uh, for her so you start to think about life and death and the universe and everything mm -hmm. and 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 real time writing at the end of a day takes you in all these different places anyway uh, she died um, I was latterly approached by uh, 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 a writing agent whether I would ever think about publishing as a book. And um, we did, finally. Uh, and I said to the publisher, this cannot be edited because this was written real time. And oddly, the angriest and most frustrated I ever got with my sister was the night before she died. Mm. But I didn't know it. Understandably, she was going though, to die yeah. the next day. We were just getting to a point where it was just getting mad. Anyway, this this book came out <clears throat> called "Not That Kind of Love," and really resonated with people um, because of Claire's honesty, candor, and humour. My sister, and then me stepping in as the brother who's trying to learn how to be the carer and try to navigate through all the things that he had to navigate through and. Um, and what is the privilege of it? It was a privilege that my sister allowed me to do the thing, you know, take her to the shower in her commode and wash her and to do all the things and change her catheter bags and everything else. And it was a privilege to be able to share that in a hopefully a healthy and helpful way with other people who are going through a similar journey. Um, and the privilege is absolutely balanced by the trauma of it mm. because the universe is balanced. Um, and uh, the, the, the love you feel equals the grief you will then feel. Um, and it opened me up into the world of uh, dying, end-of-life care, grief, uh, I was very fortunate enough to find myself on little little book tours with an amazing woman called Dr. Catherine Mannix, who used to run the hospice in Newcastle, who'd just written a book called With the End in Mind, talking about end of life. And she and I became this sort of odd double act. Um, she was the professional, I was the idiot, but we would speak together to to, to groups about, about end of life care and about death and dying. Um, and that opened up this incredible world. We have seven million carers in this country. And they never... They, if, they were, yeah. if they were paid the I living wage, say, they never it get. is the NHS budget again. 
So just just finding this world and meeting meeting the carers and seven million seven million and an awful lot of them are kids an awful lot of them are kids but um the good grief trust approached me i think almost when they were starting out themselves and they're a wonderful organization because they are an umbrella um started by a wonderful woman called linda whose whose fellow had just died and she couldn't she didn't know how to access people to help her, and her GP didn't know. And then she just went online and found someone who was absolutely perfect to be able to help mm. her in her grief. So she started this, this charity, which is an umbrella of, I think, 900 different charities under there, all about grief, how to deal with grief. But it's so important that, that we talk about this, because it is the inevitable thing. It is going to happen to everybody. Yeah. And it's, it, I mean, years ago, people didn't even say the word cancer. I know, I know. So um, my mum died uh, 26 years ago of cancer. And it, she just got, we, we were sort of at that stage where we could talk about cancer. It wasn't mm-hmm. just the, you know, mm-hmm. people didn't mm-hmm. whisper it. Mm-hmm. And my dad had bowel cancer at the mm-hmm. same time. Mm-hmm. But we, he'd do interviews and people would say, can you not mention bowel yeah. or bottom yeah. or poo? Yeah, 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 and yeah. he went, no, I will. Mm-hmm. I will. I will mention it. Mm-hmm. Surely we're now to the stage where we've got to talk about grief. We've got to talk about loss. We've got to talk about end of life because it's going to happen to everybody. It's it's become my mission. Um, I think, interestingly, as a result of the pandemic, I think people are more open now because no one was immune to someone close to them. Yeah, you're right. Actually dying yeah. or knowing or a good friend knowing somebody. Someone. Yeah. So 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 oddly in the last couple of years probably <clears throat> there's been a slew of books written about grief. And because I'm I just won an award. Did you congratulations. Thank you very much. What award did you win? I won a, 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 the demystifying death award. Get in. The demystifying the death. The demystifying award. death. Who award. gave you the demystifying death? A wonderful death Scottish award. palliative crowd called oh. good, good Life, Good Death, Good Grief. Um, uh, because I bang on all the time about it. And the point is, and the reason we're here, this is a podcast about joy and mm. life and everything, that this is about the same thing. Yeah. That if we're able to talk about the hard things in a gentle situation, over a drink, over Sunday lunch, with mates in a pub, going off for a walk. That that takes away the darkness. You know the the the, the derivation of the word obscene. No, is obscena off stage. So anything that happens out with our sight is most scary. And of course, death happens out with yes. our sight. We don't talk about it. It's the thing. I think it's dark places. There's a lot of you know elderly people and young people, of course, as well. But I think a lot of elderly people have a fear, Mm -hmm. real fear. I know, I know, very old people at the moment who are very um, ill with dementia or illness, and there is a fear in their eyes because it's the unknown and because it wasn't talked about. Wouldn't it be wonderful? That if in years to come, when we get to that age, Mm -hmm. if we can live that long, Mm -hmm. that we don't have that fear. So so start the conversations now. Start talking to your kids now about it. Start talking to your mates now about it. Uh, I I bang on a lot. And and it isn't isn't morbid. It's Mm. about living. It's about how one wants to live. We need to talk about... How do you want to live? Uh, How I'm living now. Good. But I've I've written my 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 advance plan 
I've got everyone I know. I've sent it to them. I've put my death box together. Death box in things that you want no, your kids death box. to have? Death box as in, where's a spare set of keys? What's the password for this? Oh, who's, that's right. Okay. Who's my, who, who are my pensions with? Okay, okay. That's... What's my NHS number? All of these things. Because when my sis died, who was uh, uh, in denial literally until her last breath, you don't get better from bone cancer. But she was in denial about it. And that was how she dealt with things, and that was fair enough. But trying to unpick everything that she left, the mess that was left behind, yeah. me on a phone with whoever it might be, credit card, phone provider, whatever, explaining for the fourth time, no, they can't talk to the account holder. I've just told you the account holder's dead. This is this is such good advice mm -hmm. because everybody would mm -hmm. have gone through that. And please, 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 box. can you find a different way of saying no? Now... Within the death box, you've got all of this information. You've got all your passwords. You've got where everything is. Yeah. What's fascinating, uh, doing this stuff after my sis died, which I'd had to do with my mum and with my dad, is some companies, when you say, hello, I'm just phoning because Les just died, and they're like, let me put you through to our bereavement department. And you go, oh, gosh, thank goodness. Well done, you. Other crowds will just keep saying, no, 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 account holder, account holder, data but, protection, data protection, as if no one's ever died under a Vodafone contract. That's crazy. So, it's very the team behind you are nodding. Yeah, yeah. It just yeah. makes so, um, so much and, sense. And it's, and it's not rocket science, no. because we are all going to die. I'm so sorry, we're all going to die. So let's just put that to one side. We're all going to die. Okay, so what happens when we die? We want to be able to sort everything out because we're dripping with grief. We want to be able to sort everything out cleanly and clearly, and we want to talk to people who are understanding, compassionate, and who have probably also had these same Gone through calls. it themselves, yeah. And it's not rocket science. It's not difficult no. to do. It's not difficult to do at all. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. But you, in the time that you are here on the planet, mm. I get from you that you are very positive. Like I said, you, you, I know you and uh, Mrs. Greg celebrate the planet, celebrate life, uh, are very passionate about environmental issues. And, um, and that probably helps with how you are about death. And I think that a lot of people who feel that they haven't fulfilled their potential or mm -hmm. they haven't lived their dream mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. life is really tough, and mm -hmm. it is for a lot of people, we mm -hmm. are utterly aware of that, mm -hmm. that they find the thought of death then terrifying because yeah. they haven't reached yeah. the place that they yeah. wish they had yeah yeah, yeah. so so 
So have the idea of mortality. You know, Caesar, as he was going to get his laurel crown, had the slave behind him whispering, memento mori, memento mori. Remember, you will die. So at the moment when he's the most powerful, the happiest, there's someone just saying, and you will die. Now that's great. So every day you get up in the morning, go, all right, at one point I will die. How do I want to try and spend the time that I have, the brief allotted time that I have? And that's not being morbid. That's not going, oh, my God, I'm in a panic about death. Mm. It's saying, how am I going to live so that when I get to the point when I'm lying on the deathbed, I'm not racked with regrets, remorse? You're quite right. That's all it is. I, I couldn't <clears throat> agree with you more. I really, really couldn't agree with you more. So and, and, you and, and death and climate change, also very interesting. When I have the chance, I'm going to start banging on and making some noise about composting. Composting? Composting bodies. Oh, bodies. Yeah. There's a new thing that was in the papers recently about um, flooding bodies. Yeah, yeah, no, no, but that still uses a lot of, yeah, but water, then, which happens? is how... Um, yes, but what <clears throat> happens to all the liquid? Tutu, Archbishop Tutu went that way. It's a water cremation. Still uses a lot of... Allegedly, one produces one cubic tonne of carbon when you're cremated. That's not great. No. That's not good. Getting dug in, fantastic. But there's fewer and fewer places where you can get dug in. <clears throat> Do you know how long it takes to compost a human body? No, I don't. Come actually. on, have a guess. I would say months. I'm going months. I'm going, going months? months. Under the right conditions, three weeks. Really? Isn't that fantastic? Yeah. There's. I, I read this wonderful. Three weeks. Piece. Yeah. There was a. The, Not bones and all. Yep. Yeah. There's a. There's a. <clears throat> there was a woman in America who was training to be an architect. Like I trained to be an architect, and for whatever reason, started exploring the composting of bodies because farmers did it with or do it with cattle. It's not allowed at the moment. Yeah, you're not allowed. Yeah. But she designed pods. And she created like a sort of beehive arrangement of pods. And it's being trailed, trialled at the moment, I think in New Jersey or somewhere. And the body goes in to this, I think it's a steel pod, with alfalfa and sawdust. And it's moistened and it's kept at a particular temperature. And three weeks later... Wow. I want that. That's incredible. I want that. I want that. And can you imagine anything more fun? You get a bag of Gabby compost <laughs> to give to whoever, say, plant, a, plant an apple tree, plant some veg, do whatever. I'll still be singing musical theatre, though. OK. <laughs> but, but isn't that, isn't that wonderful? Uh, it's extraordinary. Isn't that gorgeous? I'm going to go away and think about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Join yeah, me on the campaign. That is Composting really... Composting bodies. My husband would. He yeah, definitely would. Yeah, yeah. Um, so back to life, and yeah. one of the things that I mentioned earlier was I've heard from Mrs. Gregg mm -hmm. the story, mm -hmm. and I've heard from Miss <clears throat> Winslet mm -hmm. the story. Mm -hmm. so what is the story? What's the real story about you and Mrs. Gregg before she was Mrs. Gregg, when she was just Emma? Is it true? Is this all true that you dated Kate? No. But because Kate said you didn't date. No, no, no. Right, so no, the, no. Pa the papers have just made this sort of whole thing what? up. How, what? Where does Are that you come serious? from? Are you serious? Papers make things up? 
Hush my mouth. So that's what the story they all love, don't they? Oh, she was still with her first husband. No, you because, started dating it's Kate. It's because people don't listen. They don't concentrate. Right. They don't write there we go. We're, no, the, story, the story, it's not a story. What actually happened was I have a witchy friend called Heather. And before we started filming, my witchy friend got in touch with me and said, you're going to meet your wife on this film or whoever you're going to be love with. love witchy friends. Forever. Oh, we all need a witchy friend. And I said, OK, excellent. And I had a little look around and the only person that was single and available was Winslow. <laughs> and God bless her, the gorgeous Winslow, didn't do it for me. <laughs> and I thought, OK, my mate Heather's wrong. She wasn't. Because it was... It was Emma. It was Emma. But did that... Did you... Where, when did you clock that Heather was right? Let's put it that way. Um, probably halfway through the shoot. Uh, M was married at the time. Um, uh, it, I don't think had been the happiest of yeah. And that's published. That's been that's yeah. public. Every, and yeah. He yeah. moved out, and yeah. she was very, very, very sad. Mm. Very sad and broken and. Um, and we, we found solace. Oh, and did you call Heather? Was she the first person you called? Oh, heard? yeah, I mean, and then Heather was part of the first few years that we were all, uh, that Em and I were together and uh, um, part of the gang. Um, but we had to be secret about it because Em was married and she was famous and I was this this guy, you know, three years out of drama school and... Uh, and that's why we were... Was it that... Oh, was that... You were straight... Yeah. Out of drama school? Yeah. How long have you been together then? Oh, uh, 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 28 years. Oh, happy anniversary. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Yeah, we got together in 95, May 95. But oh, so you we had to keep fun. it quiet, but had that must have be been quiet. quite fun, though, as it well. It was great fun. Um, uh, uh, no, of course, fantastically yeah. romantic. While you're shooting a fantastically romantic <laughs> piece of work with me playing this... This this extraordinary lover who's also very fallible and needs money and drops Winslet's character and goes off with a rich woman and then realizes he's made a terrible mistake and da da da. So I mean, fantastic and a beautiful summer and filming in the most I love amazing so places. Much. And I'm on this great big white seventeen hand lippets on a horse called Big George and and I'm riding carriages with Winslet <laughs> and we go up on, on one wheel when I take a corner too fast and you know it's just be beautiful. And then when it had all finished, we were papped. Uh, and was papped leaving a house that I just bought and was it was a building site at the time and. Uh, and I had to, I had to hide. I had to, I had to run away. You had to hide. I was about to go and film in Australia, so we were given sanctuary by a mate of ours in a house in Highgate. I got my sister to go to my house to pack a bag to take it to another mate's, who then took it because there was press everywhere. But why? Because I mean, sorry, I know why. Yeah, because. But it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. They did a bag drop on, I think, Chiswick Park Station. A mate picked the bag up to drop it off at Heathrow, where I had been surreptitiously taken from my mate's house in Hampstead. Get on a plane earlier than I should have done to go and make this thing. And about a week later, in the middle of the bush, in the middle of the jungles in Queensland. In the middle of nowhere, 
I was papped. You are kidding They're me. They're very good. They're very good. They're very good. Well, we know how yeah. they know. Yeah. Nowadays, yeah. we know how they found out about those things. Yeah. Yeah. That's just horrible. Yeah. That's really horrible. Yeah. But it lasted. And it, it, yeah, 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 you, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. All these years later yeah. and you're... Half you're, my life now. That's fantastic. Yeah. Greg, you, do you know what? You are everything that I thought and hoped you would be and you're more. So thank, thank you, you so, much. so much. Thank you for having me. 